Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Jesus, we love you this morning. Father, we thank you for your presence in the house today. Lord, we absolutely ask that you just come and just sit with us and teach us, open our hearts to receive all that you would have for us today. In fact, Lord, we just ask that this morning would be like sliding up to a big uh, just banquet feast. And Lord, that where we would just get to just get to eat of you this morning. God, that you would feed our hearts, that you would feed our souls and our spirits, God, so we could just encounter and know you more. In your name we pray. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, listen, uh, last week we turned our attention to the topic of God's love for us, and I want to continue to run in that direction this morning. So if you have your Bible, can you turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. If you got your physical Bible or if you have a phone, you can flip over there. If you have a phone, I'm going to read out the Amplified, so it's going to be a little different than I'm sure what most people have today. Here we go. We're going to start in verse 44. Jesus talking. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a very precious treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field, securing the treasure for himself. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And upon finding a single pearl of great value, he went out and sold all that he had and bought it. Listen, over the years, I've heard a lot of people interpret this passage from our perspective, meaning this, that, that when we find the Lord who is represented by the hidden treasure or the pearl of great price, that we sell all that we have, that we give everything up just simply to follow him. Okay. Now, while I certainly think that interpretation is applicable and while I think there's truth that's found in it, I, I personally believe that Jesus in this portion of Scripture was talking about how when the Father looks at us, he sees us as a lost treasure, as a lost pearl of great price. Therefore, he's the one that decided to sell or to give everything he had through his son, right, so that he could purchase us. Now, remember what the Bible says in Acts 20, 28. It says that he's the one that purchased us with his blood. So the bottom line is he wasn't lost. We were lost, so he didn't need to be found. And at the end of the day, we didn't purchase him. He purchased us, right? So, so while on one hand, I can see that this passage certainly speaks to how much we should value the Lord as the pearl of great price, uh, there's no doubt that that's there. But it also speaks to how much the Lord values you and me. Amen? So with that word value in mind, have you ever wondered, and I know I've mentioned this before, but have you ever wondered how the Lord determines your value? Like how does he determine your worth? You know, believe it or not, it, it actually isn't that different than how uh, we determine the value of most things. It's based solely on how much someone's willing to pay. Right? So to one person, quote unquote, treasure may be worth 25 bucks. Right, And so that's how much they're willing to pay. But to another person, that same treasure may be worth thousands of dollars. And so that's how much they're willing to pay because that's what it's worth to them. So if we bring that train of thought over to our own individual lives, while you and I may be sitting here today thinking that you know, our life is worth a solid $25, right? And, and other people sitting around us may think it's worth about 20 on a good day, right? Uh, what really matters is this, is what God has to say. 
Amen. So you see, if we realize or not, when those Roman soldiers drove the nails in, in Jesus' hands and feet, and when they took that spear and they shoved it in his side, and that blood came pouring out, that was the moment that God declared for all of eternity our worth and our value. Amen. Because why? Because that's the price that he was willing to pay. Which means this, and I hope you get this. It means that, that for today that our value, it's already settled. Our worth is already settled. So from God's perspective, you can do nothing to make him value you more. And you can't do anything to make him value you less. And so at the same time, y'all hear this. Other people around you in your life can't devalue you either. It's so weird. Like I hear today, it's like this, that, well, I had an abortion. Doesn't change your value. Well, I was sexually abused. Doesn't change your value. Right? Well, I, I got a divorce. Doesn't change your value. Are you with me? So, but, but watch this. At, at the same time, while I'm not saying that, you know, listen, there may be healing that needs to happen in that place. It doesn't change your value. But at the same time, you go, well, I made a million dollars last year. Doesn't change your value. I've been very successful in life. Doesn't change your value. My family's better than everybody else's. Doesn't change your value. You, you know, years ago, I heard someone, you know, basically, they, they, they took a $100 bill. If I can just drive this point home. They, they took a $100 bill, and they said this. You know, how much is the value of that? Yo, it's early, but it's not that early. Okay? How much, what's the value of this? $100. So listen, I can, I can take that $100 and I can wad it up, right? I can throw it on the ground. I can stomp on it a little bit. I can cuss it out. I can tell it it's trash. I, you know, I can say all kinds of mean things to it. I can even throw it through the washing machine, run it through the dryer. But at the end of the day, how much is that thing worth? <laughs> Same for us. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Amen. So to simply drive this point home a bit further. Let me just ask you this. Once again, I know I've said this to you before, but, but it just bothers me that thing's all wrinkled. Anyways, um, it did look pretty. So, so, so how much do we think, how much do we think that the blood of Jesus is worth today? Maybe a hundred? Two hundred? Maybe a million? No, no. So listen, I, I agree with her. The bottom, the, the end of the day, listen, can you put a price tag on God's blood? It's priceless. And so that, I just want you to understand today that that's how much you and I are worth to the Father. We're priceless. Good news. Like we could go eat a bucket of chicken right now and call it a day. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but we can't. All right, here we go. As amazing as all that is, listen, I want you to know that over the years I've met a lot of Christians who are constantly hindering themselves, get that, hindering themselves from enjoying the abundant life that Jesus came to bring uh, because of one reason. And I, would, and I would put myself in this. It's one reason. It's simply this. It's because we have a hard time seeing God's love for us beyond the moment of our salvation. Like I mentioned this briefly last week, but I want to sit on this for a second. It's like we accept God's love for us at our conversion. Like we're grateful for the price he paid, right? But then we act like his love goes on, you know, hiatus until we die. And then it kind of sparks back up and whew, we can make it to heaven just by the skin of our teeth. Praise the Lord, saints, right? 
So it's like we believe John 3, 16, and we believe John 14, 2, right? We, we understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, yay, right? And, and then we, we fast forward the story to where Jesus said in John 14, 2, that I go to prepare a place for you, right? It, it's salvation and it's heaven. It's a beginning and an end gospel, yeah. right? But, but the question I have for you today was, what about the middle, what about the in-between? What about where we're living like right now? Does, does God still love us and value us just as passionately as he did way back then? The answer is, oh, yes. Right? Absolutely. See, that's why Jesus said this in Matthew 10, a familiar passage of Scripture. He says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? He says, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. It says, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. It says, so don't be afraid. Watch these words. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. I, you know, I, I know this seems weird. We're getting compared to birds, right? But, but it's just like, if God values the life of a single bird, y'all know how many birds there are? Like a single bird, right? Like how much more does he value your life? Right? If he cares about what's happening in a single bird's life, how much more does he care about your life? All he's talking about simply this is about you and I knowing our value from his perspective. All right. So can you imagine this with me for a moment? Can, can you imagine the impact that truth would have on us if we could just believe it? Like imagine what would happen if... We chose to consistently, and I'm saying we, me too, we consistently focused on God's view of us, the value, and God's love for us, instead of focusing so much on our what? Our past, our problems, and our performance. Like, can you imagine the transformation that would really take place in our hearts? It would be incredible. Like, I may be crazy for thinking this, but I just believe it to be near impossible for things like fear, worry, right, depression, hopelessness, insecurities, rejection, and all things kind of fall in those categories to find a place in our heart. Like, it would be almost impossible for those things to get rooted in our hearts if we would just understand and believe how much God truly loves and values us. Amen? That, that instead of us carrying all of the, the baggage that so often hinders us, I believe our lives would be marked by these things. Notice the opposite side of this, the different in spectrums. That our life would be full of faith, trust, joy, peace, confidence. In other words, what I'm saying is, is, is all the things that come with abundant life. Right? So, so, like, is there anyone in this room that would prefer baggage over abundant life? If that's you, we'll pray for you. Now, 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 how many of you guys prefer abundant life over baggage? But I want us to see today that that, that starts, right? That preference has to start. The, the, the starting point of that begins with this, that we got to believe that, that we are perfectly loved by a perfect father. So before we move on and kind of go to where we're really going to sit today, I, I want to read a verse here, Amos 3.3. 3. I pray it a lot. I say this a lot, but, but I want us to look at it through the lens of what we're talking about right now. Amos 3.3 3 says, can two people, we'll say, can, can, can God and I, can God and you, right, walk together without agreeing on the direction? 
So what, what I'm hoping that we'll see kind of up top here is this, is that if we're going to truly walk with God in the direction of an abundant life, instead of walking in the, the direction of unnecessary baggage, then we need to reconcile in our hearts how he feels about us. Right? Like we need to come into agreement with the fact that he loves us. That it's settled. He loves us, right? And that he values us. And once again, nothing can change that. Y'all believe that? All right, let's shift gears. For, for the rest of our time together, I, I want to actually turn our attention to how God loves us beyond salvation. Okay? Beyond salvation. I, I want us to actually see how he is actively and consistently revealing his love for you and me right now. Okay? And so to do that, I want to finish a single statement. The statement is this. is because God loves me, comma, he blank. Okay? Because God loves me, comma, blank. So let me give you some quick hitters. Let me, I know this is a lot, but I'm going to give it to you, and then we'll look at a few. So yeah, right now, if you got your phone, pull out and take a picture of it, please. I, I mean that. I'm being serious with that. So watch this. Because God loves me, he created me in his image. Because God loves me, he has a plan for my life. All right, because God loves me, he forgives me. Because God loves me, he gives me a new heart. Because God loves me, he gives me mercy and grace. Because God loves me, he answers my prayers. Because God loves me, he remains faithful to his covenant and to his promises. Because God loves me, he gives me favor, right? Because God loves me, he gives me strength and comfort and freedom. Because he loves me, he gives me access to his resources he welcomes me into his presence, right? Because he loves me, he protects me and fights for me. Because he loves me, he provides for me. Because he loves me, he blesses me. So, real quick, just wave your hand if you're like, yo, that's good. Yeah, amen, amen. So, so here's, what, here's the reason I asked you to take a picture of it. Because I'm hoping, like the reason I always put the verses up, and I could have gave you a lot more, but, but the reason I do that is because I actually want you to go and, and read them. Believe that or not. <laughs> to read them, but here's what I actually want you to do this time. It's like, put your name in those. Right? And, and turn them into prayers, and then turn them into declarations over your own life. But, because you're not really ever going to understand how much God loves you until you start renewing your mind. Right. Amen? All right, so those are the quick hitters. Now, now, let me just sit for a moment on five more areas, and I don't have a whole lot of time to sit on. So because he loves me, number one, he calls me son or daughter. 1 John 3, 1 says this. See what great love the Father has shown, or what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be named and called children of God, and that is what we are. I love that verse. Romans 8, 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Gang, if we realize or not, that is the foundation of our identity in Christ. That God loves you and I so much that he calls us sons and daughters. Amen? So to understand today that every single bit of our interaction with God 
It, it runs. It stems from that single truth. It's because we're his children, that list that we just talked about, that's what he does. Amen. I'll say it for you. So, so listen, in light of us being his children, I want to kind of go back to our main point. Remember, salvation and end. I want to go back to that because I think it's really important for some of us to realize that in the same way as when we had our children, we didn't go, woo, and throw a big party and celebrate the birth of our child. And then once the party was over, we high-fived everybody, and then everybody left the room and just left the kid to fend for himself. So I want you to understand that when you were born again, God didn't do that. That's the way so many people live, right? Well, I'm saved, okay, and i got to struggle for the next 70 years, and hopefully I'll be able to make it, right? So listen, I want us to understand in the like manner when we gave our, our own children our name, right? When, when I named those five kids that God gave me, Listen, I wasn't only choosing to identify myself with them, and I wasn't only just saying, hey, you're a part of the family, but I was also declaring by that name to the world that I was what? That I was committed to taking responsibility for their growth, development, and well-being. Right? That's what happens when we bring a child into our home. And so, gang, God is the exact same way. In other words, by calling us his son or daughter, he has chosen to identify himself with you. With me, right? He has welcomed us into his family, and he has made a commitment to our growth and our well-being. That's good news, right? So what that means is, is this, is he is interested in every detail of our lives. That, that means, listen, that, that he cares for us more than we'll ever know. That's why the Bible says, cast your anxieties upon the Lord, because he what? He cares for you. All right, now here's something I've learned, okay, if I can just dig into this a little bit more. I have personally discovered that when we either A, don't understand, or B, forget who we are in Christ. In other words, when we forget that we're a son, or when we forget that we're a daughter, or if we don't know that we're that, guess what happens? That we try to strive and perform to earn love and acceptance, if it be from God or from other people, right? That we struggle with fear of trusting Fear of rejection and fear of correction. Yes? That we struggle with receiving love and expressing love in an unconditional way. That we get easily agitated with people. Right? That we see them, please hear us, we see them as threats. We think negative. We live frustrated and angry. We like to argue. I'm not talking about you. We're talking about your neighbor. We, listen, we, 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 feel, we feel restless we get down, we feel emotionally out of balance, we get defensive, we get overly sensitive, we get insecure, we start operating independent, right? We get emotionally detached, really this, we lack contentment. Am I making sense to y'all? That, like, and lastly, we, we feel emotionally unsafe because we are constantly wondering, am I loved? But watch this, on the flip side, when we know who we are, this is what's so cool, is we feel at rest, We feel at peace, and we feel at home in the Father's love, right? That we feel secure because we know we belong. We feel free of shame, guilt, and self-condemnation, right? It's easy not only to love others, but we make it our goal to to love others and honor others well, right? And we're also, we're super, like, content because we're humble, because we're content because we humbly accept God's plan for our lives. We're not always looking for what's the next best thing, right? Right? 
And, and that's just what I'm saying is, is when we know that we are a son or daughter, we, we are internally settled because we're confident that we're unconditionally loved. Therefore, we're convinced this, that my life is full, that truly goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Like, and we're content that God's goodness is towards me and that he does desire his best for me. Right? Like all that gets settled. Amen? Amen. Yeah. All right. So, so before we move on, I want to say this, that, that God's love isn't, because I think this is how we picture it sometimes, it, it isn't just this ooey-gooey feeling. Right? It's not like, oh, it's goosebumps, right? Like, it's cool. That's awkward. Okay, that's just do that. But it's, it's like, but, but I want us to see that it's not just this feeling, but God's love is full of action. It's full of involvement, right? He's literally, he's motivated by love to interact with us, right? And so I, I think we need to ask ourselves knowing that it's like, the question is, is, well, how does he want to father me? How does he want to father me? We're going to jump in the deep end of the pool here really quick, okay? So the second thing I want to talk to you is this, is because he loves me, he disciplines me. I know we don't like that, right? But watch what the Bible says. Please hear this. Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. It says, as you endure the divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If you have, they're a wreck. Okay? It says, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. It means you don't belong to him. Says, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us. Get that. But God's discipline is, what's that next word? Always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. Get that. So we might share in his holiness. What's holiness? Being whole. It's being whole, right? It says, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Amen. So what's the writer of Hebrews saying? He is saying that, that the proof of you being a son or a daughter is the fact that God loves you enough to discipline or to correct you. Now, watch this. I realize, because I've been doing this a while, that, that when you start talking about Verses like this, like I'm fully aware that depending on how you were raised, it has the ability to stir up all kinds of emotions. Like, like for you who were punished harshly, like I was as a kid, th- th- you know, this might cause you to, to fear God in a really unhealthy way. And then for those who had parents that were more interested in being your buddy or your friend than they were your parent, you, you might not value this piece of your journey as much as you should. Right, so but the bottom line is this is however we are brought up, God is a loving father who consistently uses discipline as a way to help us grow into who he has called us to be. But listen, when you hear that, you gotta rest sure that it'll never be harsh, nor will it be passive. He's perfect. Right? So so listen, just so we have some context here. The the Bible obviously gives us uh, certain ways or common ways. That God disciplines his children. We know that when you read this Bible, it's going to correct you. All scriptures God breathed is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
right? So, so, so it's near impossible to hear a message about from the Word or to, or to actually read the Bible without feeling one of those four things in your life. Amen? All right, so, so obviously use the Word. He does it with his voice. You ever been convicted? Yeah. Me too, right? How about through, through consequences of our sinful actions? Yeah, and then there's this last thing called through authority figures. Like if you have an issue with authority, you have an issue with God, right? Because he's the one that gave us parents. doesn't really matter how old you get, right? Teachers, pastors, like, and even local government, like, like all of those are there. You can read in the Bible for discipline. All right, but we also got to remember this, and here's really what I want you to hear, is that uh, just as no two children are the same in any family, it's the same way in God's family, so watch this. Even though there's common ways that God will correct his children, at the end of the day, we all have a personal relationship with him. And, and so that means that God is, is like really personal in how he even disciplines us. So part of it is learning, okay, how does God speak to me? How does he deal with me? Because if you'll look at your life, there'll be a pattern. Now, now here's what will happen. Y'all please hear me. Is the pattern, at least for me, was different when I was newly saved. And maybe my first five years, and then it starts shifting, 10 years, 15 years. God deals with me today very differently than he did way back then. It's no different than, you know, I got a 16-year-old at home, and I got a 2-year-old at home. I discipline the 2-year-old different than I do the 16-year-old. Why? Because my expectation for the 16-year-old is a lot greater. Right? And so, so watch this. I remember just, just this morning when I was getting ready to show you how uh, the Lord would deal with me and correct me on some things. I used to be super, 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 super competitive. And what I mean by that is not just wanting to win. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about you're so competitive you lose your character when it doesn't go your way. I know none of y'all ever done that. <laughs> and, and so, anyways, I, I remember one time I was, I don't know why the Lord just brought this to my mind this morning. I haven't thought about it in years. I, I was traveling with a youth evangelist when I was 20 years old and I was in Arkansas and we were doing this camp, man, God was moving. And then I started hearing about how all the pastors, what they would do is they, would, they were so competitive that they would go, they would put all the kids basically in bed, and then they would go play basketball because the reason to put the kids to bed because they would get nasty. <laughs> and the, the, the evangelist I was with, he was like, come on, Q, let's go play some ball. And I used to love basketball. I know y'all are looking at me going, how did that guy not make it to the league? I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it, right? But I played basketball hours a day. I mean, I love basketball. And, and anyways, I said, I said, hey, hey look, I don't want to go play. He's like, why? I said, because I heard about them. I, I don't, I, I don't want to lose my cool in front of these people. And he goes, come on, I want to see what you're made of. Mm. All right, so I'm out there. I'm playing, right? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Right? And, and in the middle of that, I was like just trying to, you know, keep my calm and and, uh, and I remember I, the, the ball started going out of bounds, and I, and I grabbed it, and I bounced, basically I banked it off the guy that was guarding me, so it would be our ball. And it, it, this guy was about 50 years old. He was an older pastor, and maybe he was in his 40s. Everybody looked old then when you're 20. And so, um, and, and he, anyways, he got like all mad. He was all like started fussing me. I mean, this dude's a senior pastor, right? And then, and then there was this moment we, we jumped up, dude grabbed a rebound, and he started throwing elbows. I'm like, bro, we at church camp, right? Like, we're not on the streets, right? 
And anyway, so, so he's throwing elbows. And, and I remember just standing there looking at the guy. In the middle of this basketball game, I heard the Lord say, that's how you look when you play. And right there in the basketball, I said, Lord, don't let me ever forget Pastor So-and-so because I need to, there's a lesson I need to learn. That was a correction, right? And so what happened through my journey and I, is this, is let's say I said something stupid, did something stupid, unwise, sorry. And, um, and what would happen was, is the Lord, like, have you ever had those moments where you knew, don't say that, and you say that? Yeah, those kind of things. And then the Lord would allow me to, to reap the consequences of my disobedience. And, and what would happen was is I would feel this weight for days. And it wasn't condemnation. It wasn't shame, right? It, it, it was literally the discipline of the Lord. He was like, I want you to feel this because I need you to hate this. And when I finally got to the point, I was like, okay, Lord, I, like, I, I hate that. So I don't, like, I don't ever want this feeling again. Guess what happened? It's gone, right? And so anyways, he does things different today. Um, you, you know, uh, anyways, I, I think even this, things I used to get away with 20 years ago, with, 20 years ago, I don't get away with anymore. He don't let me, right? But part of it is, is you got to be open to his discipline, yeah? Because he loves me, right? That's our question or, or statement. Uh, he teaches me. Psalm 32, verse 8, he says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Right? So, so here's the bottom line. When you and I decide to walk with God in a sincere way, we're going to discover that God is always, somebody say always. always. He's always looking for moments to instruct and teach us his ways. Right? Because he desires for us to be emotionally and relationally and spiritually healthy, right? He wants us to be healthy children. He's always looking for those opportunities where he can impart insight, wisdom, right? Understanding and knowledge. He's always looking for those moments. It's not, it's not that dissimilar to how we are with our own children, right? We're like, we're constantly having moments. We see moments. Yeah, I need to teach them this. Yep, I need to teach them that, right? And that he's, he's moving the same way with us. And so I, I think it's this. It's even, yeah, let me say this to you. I remember being a little kid, talking about taking a moment, being a little kid, and my stepfather would give me a project that it was a learning experience, and, I, and basically it was, I couldn't do it, right? And because of my wiring, I would get really frustrated and aggravated, right? Like I hate failure. And, and so I'd get frustrated. He'd just walk over, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't do this, oh, let me handle, let me do that for you. He wouldn't do that. He'd go, uh, you going to let that thing beat you? And he'd just keep walking. And what that did is that, that caused a determination to come in me that I may not do it the best way, the quick way, the right way, but I'm going to get it done. Yep. Right? And so it's like fast forward. It's so interesting to go, how many times have I had somebody come pray for me and prophesy over me as a man? And they said this, that the, the Lord would say that the situation he put you in, most people would have ran. But you didn't quit. You didn't give up. You stayed the course. Man, listen, I know that goes all the way back to me being 7, 8, 9, 12, 13 years old. You going to let that thing beat you? That was God using that moment to teach me something, to fortify something in me that said, you know what, unless God speaks, I'm not running. Right? So I just think this. It's like because we know God's heart for us, we should consistently be asking this. God, show me what I, what I need to see here. 
God, teach me what I couldn't learn or, or know otherwise. God, what's your ways here? How would you do this? How do you feel about this? Those are questions I'm always asking the Lord. And what, what happens is, is the reason I ask him is because I believe he wants to answer it. Right? And so at the end of the day, if we make room for him to speak, if we make room that we go, you know what? I'm going to be a, a learner. I'm going to be a disciple. God will teach us. Amen? Think about what James says in chapter 1. He says if we lack wisdom, all we have to do is what? You have not because you so how does God teach us? Obviously, he teaches us through his word, by his voice, through others, through situations, by watching others, right, and so on. But, but once again, there's also this uh, personal side of God that, that once again, we got to sit back and pay attention to what's the pattern of how the Lord teaches me so that we can actually learn, right? All right, the fourth one is this, because he loves me, he guides me. Psalm 16, 5 and 7 says this, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. In other words, I see the blessings in my life. It says, what a wonderful inheritance. Watch these next words. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. You, you know, recently I, I read a short story about a woman who was surprising everyone that was around her by how quickly she was grow, growing in a relationship with God. And finally, after a period of time of going, wow, this woman's transformation is so quick, they actually asked her, like, what's your secret? And here's what she said. She simply said these three words, mind the checks. Mind the checks. What was the secret of her growth? I mind the checks. So to elaborate on this, listen to what this one author said because it's good, and I can say it quicker than I would. Here we go. God's voice is directed to the ear of love, and true love is intent upon hearing even the faintest whisper. Somebody say whisper. whisper. It says, so when you are about to say something in conversation with others, and you sense a gentle restraint from his quiet whisper, heed the restraint and refrain from speaking. Yeah. Yay and Amen. It says, and when you are about to pursue some course of action that seems perfectly clear and right, yet you sense in your spirit another path being suggested with the force of quiet conviction, heed that conviction. Follow the alternate course, even if the change of plans appears to be absolutely folly from the perspective of human wisdom. And so I want to repeat what that sister said. Mind the checks. Right? Pay attention to the promptings, the holy nudges, right? The gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit, because it's true, just as Proverbs 20, 27 says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. So you'll hear that inner witness. He'll speak to you, and that's how he guides you. Last one, because he loves me, he is always there for me. Let me give you two verses. Romans 8 says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. It says, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's go back to Psalm 16, but let's read one more verse in here. It says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night my heart instructs me. Watch verse 8. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. That, that's even old covenant, new covenant. He is in me. Right? So the only thing I can really mention here is that, is that in 27 years of walking with Jesus, there's never been a time where I've called and got his voicemail. Listen, there's never been a time God has said, look, I'm too busy handling all these other people's mess. I don't have time to handle your mess. Uh, I'll get back to you on a later date. Yeah. What's my point here is that he's always available. Yeah. 
right? Thank God he's always available. It doesn't matter the time or day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Please stand to your feet. To wrap this up, I want to ask... I want to ask a simple question. Everybody, please hear this. If it's true that God desires to demonstrate his love for us in these ways, uh, then the question is, is how are we going to respond? So simple. How are we going to respond? Because it's one thing to, to hear something and see something on screen. It's another thing to go actively uh, choose to pursue it in your life. Right? And so it's this, because as I mentioned earlier, even though your value and his love for you will never change, what can change is if you choose to respond to that love or not. Right? And so, so at the underpinning of all this is, is, is will we let him father us? Will we let him discipline us, teach us, guide us? Will we turn to him consistently so that we can live in the abundant life that Jesus came to bring? That's the game changer. Amen? Here's a verse I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to head out today. If you need prayer, we'll have some folks down here at the altar who be more than happy to pray for you. If you want to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, or if you've got an issue going on, or maybe you just need help understanding better what we talked about today. But let, let me pray this verse real quick over you. Let's see if we have it. First John. Yeah. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Like, that's my heart for today, for you, for me, that we would come to know, and not just know here, but we'd actually believe it in our hearts, the love that he has for us. And all the things we talked about today and last week, that we would just know that we're loved. This says this, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Final thought, and then, I'm going to ask Jen to come and pray. Um, you know, Jesus said this in John 14. He said, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. And obviously we know that um, he gave his Holy Spirit because it's a mark of sonship in our lives. And so really it's up to us, guys, if we if we want to live like sons and daughters or if we want to live like orphans. Sons and daughters, once again, know that they're loved. Orphans don't believe it. There's a sense of abandonment that's on them that doesn't come from God. And I'm here to tell you, you can be a Christian and feel that abandonment for years because you don't have a revelation that God loves you. So let's pray that we would have the revelation that God desires for us to have in this moment, yeah? God, I thank you for your love. There's no greater love than your love, God. Your love is pure and gentle and kind. It's fierce and strong and fights for us. It's greater than any foes that we have. Your love casts out all fear. I thank you that fear leaves the house right now in the name of Jesus. God, if it's fear of rejection or fear of doubt, any fears that we might be carrying, God, that your perfect love just casts it away. Father, may your love envelop us, spirit, soul, body. May we see your love chasing after us day by day by day. 
may we choose to step into that love and accept that love and may it just begin to make us new. Father, if there's anyone in the room that has not said yes to your love, may they do that this morning. Come on, if that's you, just say, God, I'm done running from your love. Here I am. Forgive me, save me, love me. Show me what true love is. God, thank you that your love, it makes us new and it makes us whole. Thank you that we don't have to live lonely because we have you, love of our life. So God, thank you. Even as we go out these doors today and go into our week, God, may we be aware of your love around us. God, you even like to surprise us to just show us that you love us. And so may we be aware of the ways that you reach out and the ways that your love is active. Like PQ was saying that your love is full of action. May we see your love in action in our lives. And God, as we are just filled with your love, may we pour it out on those around us. God, may we deem those around us worthy of your love and worthy of our love. You said to love others as we love ourselves. God, we can't love ourselves unless we know that you love us and we accept your love. So as you speak that identity into us and we are secure in your love, God, may we be uh, able to love others. And so may we be an extension of your love to the people in our lives throughout this week. We love you and I just bless your people today. God, we thank you that you are a good God. You are a provider and you go before us and you are a rear guard. You are a healer. You are a strength and our wisdom. And so, Father, I just thank you that we walk out in you today. We walk in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.